G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. We were downstairs together and um, we were both going to work and he came to me to, to say goodbye, you know, to kiss and, and he, he put his hand up to my cheek and said, Bum, you've got too much rouge on, too much blush on, you don't need it. So I looked up to him and um, I said, oh, Johnny, what would I ever do without you? And he said to me, oh, Mum, you'd manage. And, you know, I think that was probably the, the last words he spoke to me, which was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. The Story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, it's hard to imagine anyone who has gone through so much tragedy in their life having more joy in their life than Lois Thompson. Lois is the author of the book Hope in Cancer, Death and Grief. And unfortunately, she's had more than her fair share of all three of these. But despite it all, you'll hear in her voice today an infectious happiness that permeates the conversation. Lois is chatting and sharing her story with Eric Scatterbone. Lois Thompson, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to have you with us. And before we talk about your experience with cancer, death, and grief, let's go back and find out a little bit about you. What is your background? And please share with us that remarkable story about how you met your husband. Yes. Uh, I guess, really, for me, my story starts when we met. Uh, I was um, very blessed to meet my soulmate. Uh, so three years after we were married, we were driving along and we had our little gorgeous daughter in the back seat and, and um, the, the topic of suicide came up and Pat said to me, you know, when people are going to commit suicide, I really don't think that they tell people that that's what they're going to do. But he said, I believe that they can actually reach out for help at that time. And he said, that was the case for me. Uh, he said, um, I was going to throw myself in front of a, a truck and uh, I looked up the road and I saw the, the telephone box that was in the 19, <laughs> that was in the 1970s. <laughs> Back when there were telephone boxes? Yeah, not many red boxes anymore. But, um, Lifeline had not long, um, been uh, in Townsville. Townsville is a, a country city in Queensland. And, uh, they'd been advertising that if you needed help, you know, to, to call that number. And so he started to share with me what he had said to the counsellor and he said there was nothing about suicide in it. And he was telling me that, you know, he, he um, came from Wales and he landed in Perth and then he had a number of jobs and he told me the story how he got to um, to Townsville. And, and halfway through I said to him, and you said this, and you said this. And he looked at me and we realised three years after we were married that I was the telephone counsellor in Lifeline the night that he reached out. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, just amazing, just amazing. <laughs> so you were volunteering there? Yes, I was a volunteer. Uh, I had graduated as a social worker and actually had a position in the community health centre up there. Um, but um, because a lot of welfare programs were just sort of basically starting, uh, I was a volunteer at Lifeline, a volunteer at the, the women's shelter in Townsville. Yeah. And you remember that conversation? Oh, well, as I said to my dear husband at the time, he said, how can you remember that? And I said, oh, your um, phone call was very memorable. 
wow. He was, yeah, yeah, because um, he he um, he was an alcoholic, and you know, alcoholics have um, very interesting stories. And I remembered um, what he said, and uh, told me his life story basically on the phone, and then said he was um, he was living in the in the hotel and had no money left after his um, first pay, the, the the first night of his pay. Um, because he, you know, shouted everybody in the pub and drank it. And, uh, yeah, so for me as a lifeline counsellor, it was pretty easy to sort of see, and a social worker, um, to actually get to the bottom of his problem. And, uh, and I actually said to him on the phone, do you think maybe alcohol has something to do with your problems? And he had said yes. Um, and we had a great system at that time. And I'm not sure what Lifeline does now, but, um, as a Lifeline counselor and, and it was set up so that we could actually contact somebody from Alcoholics Anonymous, um, mm-hmm. keep him on the line. And, um, and so I said to him, well, would you like somebody from Alcoholics Anonymous to come and, and speak with you? And he said yes. And, and, um, that's what happened that night. So yeah. So his story was quite a memorable one. Pretty awesome, hey! Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> we, we, it was an amazing story. It's, a, it's wonderful, but you see, God put us together. We were soulmates, and uh, just amazing, <laughs> amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah, that's story. amazing. And he eventually becomes a pastor. So, can you briefly kind of share his journey? He goes from alcoholism to being yep. suicidal to becoming a pastor. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think he says that you saved his life. Yes, yes. He, um, it was a connect. Like it stopped him from suiciding. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and, and I think, um, that's, that's so important to, for people who are contemplating suicide. Uh, you know, we had the most wonderful life, um, after that point. Um, we, I think we met about 18 months, um, through community health after that lifeline call. Mm-hmm. And so we, we met and, um, and we had a great life together. We had, um, uh, five children. And just so blessed, and and we just felt so blessed that that we had found our soulmate. Well, I think yeah. at that point you knew you were supposed to be together. God put you yes, together. Yes, yes, that's right. Yep, yep. And one of the community nurses, um, she said, you know, she was going to take him to her church, and I thought, oh no, I won't be outdone. I'll take him to my church. And uh, on the way home, he said, you know, I think, um, I think if if you put an O in God and do good then that's a good way to live. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, that would be good if Jesus hadn't come. But Jesus came as our saviour to save us from sin and uh, and basically gave him the gospel story. And, and that night he went home and accepted Jesus into his oh, life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this story just gets better and better. So you were instrumental section, in leading him to the Lord as well. Yeah, that's right. What a blessing, hey? Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. And then, as you said, years later, you found out that you had met, so to speak, through that lifeline conversation. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, pretty amazing. But I suppose Townsville's not a huge city as such, so you oh, know, okay. we were bound to. So what were the odds? <laughs> <laughs> we did meet, praise God, yeah. And then our journey as a couple with with the Lord started, and so he was totally sold out for God and, and, uh, and wanted to serve him. So And became think, a pastor. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, so when our, yeah, so I think it was four years after we were married that, um, that, yeah, he, uh, went into the ministry. Yeah. Wow. And he, and he actually found it easier to be in the ministry than me. <laughs> Is was, that right? Yeah, because you're a pastor as well. You're both pastors or were? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I was a pastor's wife before I became a pastor. <laughs> oh, okay. So, your book is about cancer, death, and grief. Uh, we haven't yep. talked about any of that yet, but unfortunately, there is more of that in your story. Let's fast forward several years later. You have 
many children, you said, and one is a son named John. Yes, my, my eldest son, um, John, he was um, killed in a car accident uh, just five minutes around the road from, mm. from our house. Yeah, so that was the beginning of a tough, a really tough um, few years for us as a family. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So tell us about that day, your last conversation with him. Oh, yeah. I, I think that um, God will often prepare people for, for loved ones um, passing away. And, and certainly I have a chapter in the book of the things that happened. That There's more than one um, story, really, about um, John and I and, the, and the, um, just the lead up to his death. But the morning uh, that he actually died uh, was a precious time that I've been able to keep in my heart. Uh, I believe it mm-hmm. was from God um, to comfort me. And uh, we were downstairs together and um, we were both going to work and he came to me to, to say goodbye, you know, to kiss. And, and he, he put his hand up to my cheek and said, Bum, you've got too much rouge on, too much blush on, you don't need it. So I looked up to him and um, I said, oh, Johnny, what would I ever do without you? And he said to me, oh, Mum, you'd manage. And, you know, I think that was probably the, the last words he spoke to me, which was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. So I, I'm sorry, I get a bit emotional when I, when I remember that. Yeah, Yeah, because yeah. at the time you think, oh, well, that's just a little... Mm. exchange between a mother and a son, yep. you know, you're not going to think anything of it. But then now looking back, and that was the last conversation you had. Yes, yes. And and um, and I think when you're in, in grief, um, you certainly look back at, at what you've said and what mm-hmm. you've done and, you know, your relationship with the person um, before they passed away. And, and I was certainly very blessed that I had some good moments and that was incredible from the Lord to, to comfort me during that time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the Lord does give um, some comfort to those that are going to mourn before the death, and mm-hmm. certainly the Lord does comfort um, after the death. Okay, and then some time passes, and your beloved husband, who we were talking about before, unfortunately, he's diagnosed with bowel cancer? Yeah, um, he was diagnosed with bowel cancer in 2009, but before he was diagnosed with cancer, I uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2006, and my daughter was diagnosed with bowel cancer in 2008. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when Pat actually was diagnosed with cancer in 2009, it was like, but I've had cancer. Penny's had cancer. How can he have cancer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a lot of cancer in one family. It's sure. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, it, it was a shock. And it's always a shock when, when you're diagnosed with cancer. It's a shock. It's tough. I don't think there's any way of getting around that. Uh, I think cancer just brings out fear and it's related to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never really think it's going to, to happen to you. And uh, I guess that's one of the reasons I I wrote my book because I thought, I don't want to waste all this tragedy in my life. <laughs> God's, been, God's been so good through it all to me um, that, you know, the word says that um, that we go through suffering to help others who are going mm. through that same suffering. And uh, we live in a world of, of suffering, grief and death and, and sadness. That's the reality of this world. Uh, our hope is to go to eternity where in heaven we're not going to have any more tears but we're in the fallen world, and uh, mm-hmm. and so we have these these problems to overcome. Now, when you go through these tragedies and unfortunate circumstances, you have a choice. You can kind of go internal and and just grieve, or you can look at it like you're looking at it, as this is an opportunity to help others. I mean, is that kind of the choice you have at the time? 
Uh, at the time, you know, at, at the time, I certainly never dreamed that I'd be writing a book about it. Um, it's just a matter of surviving, really. But surviving with Jesus is the best way to survive. I can't imagine how people do it without the Lord. My mm-hmm. GP reassured me that they do. Um, but I'm just so grateful, and my family's um, grateful that that we did know Jesus and we do know Jesus um, at those times. And the Lord was just so present in our our situation. He um, he gave us some you know verses out of the Bible. Um, the love of Christians, the prayers of Christians. Uh, we were just held up, really. Mm-hmm. Um, when you feel like, you know, the, the, the poem about the footprints, uh, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, there's, there's two footprints and then there's one foot, lot of footprints and then Jesus says, well, that's the time that I carried you. So at the time of all of that, um, you know, death of my son and, and, um, um, the diagnosis of my daughter having bowel cancer at the age of 28 and, and being pregnant. And then, um, yeah, and then Pat passing away. And then I had a recurrence of, um, the breast cancer on my chest wall last year. So, um, it's just a matter of, of really, um, of hanging on to Jesus, um, going through that tunnel, going through that, that valley, um, because there is light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. and there is hope. And, um, at, as I say, at the time, writing a book to help others and even thinking about helping others, um, just wasn't in the equation because, yeah. um, others were helping us. That's the reality of it. Other people were helping us. So when you're going through, um, it's wonderful to um, have the body of Christ uh, around and to, to just carry you and pick you up and, you know, be directed by the Lord in doing that. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Lois Thompson, author of the book Hope in Cancer, Death and Grief. We'll hear more of her stories and more of her encouragement when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with pastor and social worker Lois Thompson. Unfortunately, as we've been hearing, Lois has experienced various types of death and grief in her life. Her son died unexpectedly, quite suddenly, and her husband passed away after a long battle with cancer. Now, grieving-wise, is it different going through those two different experiences? Oh, yes, I think so. Uh, My husband, uh, we realised about a year before he passed away that um, the battle or healing in the natural was not going to be won Mm -hmm. and that his cancer was going to be um, the cause of his death. So um, we we had time to actually talk and say a number of goodbyes. And um, he, he also had a heart problem and I always thought, and I think he always thought, that the cause of his death would be a heart attack. Um, but the wonderful medical marvels of today's society is, um, you know, the stents and mm-hmm. the bypass surgery. So just before they – actually, when he was in hospital having his last stent, uh, that's when they found um, the cancer. But they had actually um, made his heart really strong. And uh, when he was suffering, uh, it's very hard for, for the loved ones to see their – 
their loved ones suffer. And one day I just sort of thought, oh, this suffering's too much that he's going through. And I said to him, love, wouldn't you have rather just died of a heart attack and not gone through all the suffering? And I was really surprised at his answer. I thought he was going to say yes, because that's what I was thinking. Mm. Um, but he said no. He said, um, I really appreciate time to prepare, um, time to say goodbye and time to prepare to be with the Lord. So, um, yeah, so we had people uh, coming to visit him and, and saying their goodbyes and him saying his goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there was a, a preparation. And certainly, we d- I think with cancer or another terminal illness, uh, you do a lot of grieving along the way. And towards the end, almost it's a, a relief in a way um, that mm. the suffering is over when you see your loved one suffering. Whereas um, with, with John... Uh, the shock is just unbelievable. Oh, yeah, 19 years old in the prime yeah. of his life. Oh, yeah, absolutely crazy. To have the police, you know, knock on your door at um, 2 o'clock in the morning and say that your son's had a car accident um, is just horrific. And uh, his accident was, was five minutes from home, just around the corner. Uh, you know how they say people people driving home and they often, you know, the, the accident often happens close to home. So, mm. um, yeah, and, and so the, the shock is just crazy. You just, you, 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 at first you find it, you know, you can't believe it. And then it's just so um, traumatic. I think it's just so traumatic. Uh, and it was traumatic for the whole family, um, for all my children. I, I, I regret that I have is that I was so consumed with grief. I was in such a, a heartbroken state, really, literally. I felt my heart um, tear at that point, mm. uh, and I was so broken that, that I don't feel that I was able to actually help my children, and that's a regret. And I say that in the book, that it's a regret. But you're thrown into into such a turmoil in your life with sudden death, so the grieving is quite different, I think. Um, I think sudden death is, is certainly more traumatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's regret too. I think there's regret on, on people's journey of grief when it's sudden. So I was blessed that, um, that I had um, a, a positive experience with, with John. You, you mean your, your last conversation with him? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and there are other things that happened as well um, that virtually, like in hindsight, I felt that the Lord had prepared me. But for my children, um, they didn't have those experiences. And so they, they um, experience a different type of grief. Um, regrets, regret mm. and um, guilt is, is, is a significant factor in grief. And it's a normal process of grief and mm-hmm. a lot of people actually sort of um, they're hard on themselves if they have um, grief and anger and those sort of things but um, that that all comes with a sudden death I believe. Now you said that you regretted not helping your children which I mean it's very understandable you you were grieving yourself but yeah. hindsight is twenty twenty. if you yeah. had to do it over again what advice would you give people who maybe find themselves unfortunately sure. in that situation? Yes yes absolutely um I believe um, the best way to help somebody who is grieving is to listen to them, just spend time with them, mm-hmm. hear what they're thinking and feeling and their emotions, let them talk, um, just spend time with them. And certainly um, I think that would be a helpful piece of advice for people who, as a family, you know, the, the loss is great. And I think it gets, I'm in my situation, I was so consumed with my grief that all I could think about was me. Uh, so, but I mean, that's... I, very human. I mean, everybody couldn't relate to that. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. As you say, hindsight is a wonderful thing. <laughs> but if you can, in the ideal world, yeah. with the Lord's strength, maybe if you had time to chat and listen to what your children were going through? Yeah. Is that yeah, what you're abs- saying? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'd spend more time with each one of them individually, um, yeah, mm-hmm. after the, the death, yeah. Yeah, I, I just such a difficult thing to go through. But that's yeah. not the end of the story. Then... Also in your life, your daughter was diagnosed with cancer at 28 years of age. Yeah. Tell us about yep. her journey. Yeah, well, that was a big shock. Um, she was um, 24 weeks pregnant and she'd been unwell and they all thought it was morning sickness. Uh, but I, um, my husband and I, we'd, we'd been away from home and uh, I came home and, and when I saw her, I was absolutely horrified. I thought we're dealing more with more than um, morning sickness here. She had that sickly grey look of a cancer patient um, with weight loss. You know, she was supposed to be blooming in a pregnancy, but she looked really terrible. And, um, yeah, so so the the night that I came home and saw her, I said to her husband, you just got to take her to the hospital. And, um, yeah, so then that's what happened. And on that occasion, they actually admitted her. They'd been to the hospital a couple of times before because she was so sick, but... Um, this time uh, they they admitted her, and then she was diagnosed with bowel cancer um, a week later. So yeah, so she was twenty four weeks pregnant and um, uh, twenty eight years of age. But the the hospital was absolutely amazing and wonderful. And yeah, now yeah. if I understand this correctly, if it wasn't for the fact that she was pregnant, she would yep. have not been diagnosed. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. The doctors um, they said that they believed that um, if she wasn't pregnant that um, the bowel cancer would have gone undetected until it was sort of um, quite advanced and in her lymph system. And if that had been the case, that her prognosis would have been quite poor. So they certainly considered that um, her daughter, who is now nine, saved her life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And how is she doing today? She's doing well, thank you. Oh, great. Yes. Now, we haven't even talked about your own battle with breast cancer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we're quickly running out of time, but obviously okay. we want to talk about your your journey as well. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, right. So I was um, diagnosed with um, breast cancer in 2006, and uh, it was quite advanced, and so I had the mastectomy and the chemotherapy and the radiation. But one of my big thoughts when I was diagnosed was, oh, my goodness, I wish I had have taken that insurance policy because two years before, <laughs> I actually had it in the mail that um, I would get $30,000 if I was ever diagnosed with cancer. And at the time, um, the premium seemed to be really reasonable and I showed it to my husband. We looked at it and I said, oh, I'm not going to get cancer and threw it away. And so when I got diagnosed with cancer, I'm thinking, oh, darn, I wish I had <laughs> taken that insurance policy. And I can assure you, I, I actually thought that more than once. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. um, but, but we never reality, think it's going to happen to no, us. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, Eric. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's one in eight in Australia that um, by the age of eighty-five will be diagnosed with um, with breast cancer. So that's quite a high um, yeah. percentage, really. But for some reason, it's not going to happen to us. It's going to happen to somebody else. Yeah. But again, um, the medical teams have been amazing, and I have met some amazing people along the way. And and uh, you know, you, there's lots of silver linings to cancer. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. The name of your book is called Hope in Cancer, Death, and Grief. We've heard a lot about the cancer, death, and grief. Let's end with the hope part of uh, your story. What was giving you hope and giving you strength to get through all of these ups and downs 
that we've been talking about? Oh, well, praise God. Um, the God of the Bible is the God of hope. And uh, Jesus Amen. and the Holy Spirit and Father God uh, have been so incredibly powerful throughout the whole thing. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. There's so many accounts of God being in, our, in the midst, uh, speaking to us through his word, um, giving us a word in season uh, in the church situation. Um, God was just so real. And it, it's, it, the thing is with, um, with faith, I think you, you take that step and you're not sure when you first take the step. It's a seed of mustard. But then you put your hope in God. And then as you put your hope in him, he will do something. He will give you a scripture or he'll mm. bring somebody across your path. He will just intervene in that situation so that you have no doubt that God is real. So your hope actually goes to faith. And, um, you know, we have so much. Well, we have hope. We have hope for eternal life. We have hope in life. Um, we have hope that we get through the, the dark tunnel and the, and the valley of the shadow of death. Um, Jesus is with us. And uh, all those scriptures that says that he's our refuge, he's our strength, he's our fortress, he's our peace, he's our comforter, um, they are all just so real to me because mm-hmm. he has proved himself. So Jesus is the answer. That was Lois Thompson giving us a large dose of hope today. Once again, it's amazing how positive her outlook is, even after all she's gone through. But being the humble person she is, she gives all the credit to the Lord, who was there for all of us through the valleys of life. You can learn more insights in her book, Hope in Cancer, Death and Grief. Well, thanks for joining us for this informative discussion. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. He kept coming back. At one time I had a syringe on my arm and he took the syringe and he just loved me. I said, what do you have that I don't have? I've got the money, I've got the chicks, I've got the Rolex watch, I've got the Armani jacket, all these things. And he says, you don't have Jesus. Bobby Mearns thought he had it all, but this big time drug dealer in Hong Kong eventually found himself so destitute that he just wanted to die. Fortunately, God stepped in and now he and his wife run a ministry to help the poor and needy of society. We'll hear his remarkable story of transformation next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.